0: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers. And that's what these chats are all about registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Liz Gaddy. So Liz grew up on a Queensland property. So she started riding horses around the age of eight or nine and started off just helping her father and the other men on the property, just mustering sheep and cattle. Then later on in her early 20s, Liz had some lessons off Jack makem and Ruth Emery, and it wasn't until she met her husband, Chris, that she commenced the venting show jumping, and then later on specialised in dressage. I'm going to ask you very soon about that, Liz, about how you started eventing, but it wasn't until later that you specialised in dressage. In 1981, Liz went to the UK to commence training with the British War Society. She did her AI, and then when she returned, she started teaching full time. Liz is now a qualified teacher, coach educator, and spends her time training coaches and mature age riders. She's noticed that older riders have particular needs because of their changing physical abilities and mental, emotional needs, issues, issues. and that's what she's going to talk about in the podcast. Now, Liz's favourite quote, she told me, is, look up, and do you have another favourite quote, Liz? I
1: do. I have, direction must be your
0: primary focus when you're riding. Okay, so just tell us if we take the direction must be your primary focus. Give us an example of when you needed to use that quote, someone that you were either teaching needed to use it or...
1: Definitely when I'm teaching, particularly coaching, people often, if they're riding around an arena and they're warming a horse up, they often don't look really look where they're going. One of my riders who's been with me for many years has a tendency to go round in continual circles without really paying attention to where she's going, which is not it might be great for her to help her work out whether the horse is working well, but it's not really good for the horse. They, she really needs to focus on where she's going. Therefore, she was more likely to pick up where the issues where the horse are, because of the feeling rather than the looking.
0: Yeah, I know what it's like, Liz. I was actually guilty of that this morning. I was going over some trot poles, and I know I was looking down. So, a little bit of self coaching had to come in there. I had to tell myself to look up, yeah. look where I was going. Mm-hmm. Okay, now just a little bit more about when you started riding. Do you remember when you first rode? You said around the age of eight or nine, just some early memory of your riding. Actually,
1: one of the very first memories I have of riding was I never had any formal coaching. When we were shearing the, the sheep in the shearing shed, they, the men would have the horses tied in the yards and they'd be inside working with the sheep, and the horses would be saddled. And I would pluck up the courage to go and just climb on a horse without it undoing it, just while it was tied up. And that was my very first experience of climbing on a horse. It was quite an experience because they weren't ponies; they're were actually full size horses. And just sat there until I was had plucked up enough courage to undo the reins and put them over the neck, and then quietly <laughs> walk around the yards until I was game enough to actually ride out. So it was very quietly and calmly poking around a, a sheepyards on a horse that was very quiet, luckily, yeah. but also. I knew nothing about it. It was totally a feeling thing. It was never a direction from anybody. Yeah, yeah.
0: I sort of learnt from there. I'm just thinking too because I, I do remember, you know, being on a horse or being allowed to get on a horse and it was tied up. Mm-hmm. And something that I wouldn't do now mm-hmm. is just to say, oh, sure, that horse is tied up, you can get on it. Yeah. But, you know, we live and learn. Yeah, yep. definitely, yeah. Okay. And, and Now, Jack, Make and Ruth Emery. Anything that you can say, yes, I learned that or this is where I started to do that when you were coaching or learning from um, them?
1: Jack was an ex-military man. He was quite an older man when I first had uh, lessons with him and he was very much involved in the Queensland Pony Club Association as high up at, in the levels of the ER and, um, PCAQ and he had very because he was military trained he had very specific training methods that he used but at the same time they were very they were also quite classical because of the way they train military personnel and when I say military personnel he actually had been I think I'm not sure he'd actually been artillery because we never had cavalry in Australia there are only artillery officers but they still rode so he had a lot of training in that area but he was very particular about position he was all very particular about Again, where you were looking is also very particular about the contact you had with the horse's mouth. It was never allowed to be strong and it was always had to be correct. Mm-hmm. One, so, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, now we'll move on just a little bit about your early eventing and show jumping days.
1: When I first met my husband, he was just dabbling with eventing he had been riding most quite a lot of his life all sorts of things but he was quite interested in show jumping and eventing and when he became interested he got me interested as well so we used to go along to events together we had sort of horses that were just normal n- nothing particularly special. tell
0: me about one of your earlier horses
1: um, well actually one of them was I had a thoroughbred horse that I actually got off the track. My, in fact, a friend of mine um, raced him before we, well, I invented him. He was quite successful. Yeah, what what um, was his name? His, his name His name was Dual Success. So he was, it was quite a, many years ago that we used to do a lot of the Pony Club one-day events because there wasn't a lot of official events at that stage. And I think we won our share of, of competitions over the years. And then my husband had a horse he bought in nineteen eighty one called Billy Jack and he was a very successful horse. In fact he was on the Queensland team and competed in to state on many occasions on the Queensland team. He was quite successful with him in three day events as well as two day events and one day events. So and I was more a groom and a helper and just a general did everything for him so he was could focus on his riding and his
0: competition. So Okay. Yeah. All right. And then you went to the UK Mm -hmm. to get your first qualifications as a coach. Certainly you've gone on and done a lot more since then. Mm -hmm. But this is when you first started teaching full time. Can you remember a little bit about that?
1: I was interested in the coaching side of it and there was nothing available, particularly in Queensland at that stage and that was one of the reasons why I went to United Kingdom because the British Horse Society had very well recognized qualifications for coaches because they'd been doing it for many years and I thought well that was a perfect opportunity for me to go over there and, and do the first level of it and that was very, very good because I learned a lot. It was really, really, really beneficial for me and when I came back to Australia after spending four or five months over there doing my full-time training, um, that my husband had bought a new horse and he was very very interested in the eventing so I really started helping him but we also had a riding school on the Gold Coast at the time too and we had quite a few people that were really interested in riding and I really started teaching full-time there teaching children and adults particularly for didn't necessarily have to be for competition but certainly Getting their basics right and doing a lot of bit of everything, dressage, show jumping, a little bit of cross countries and a lot of pony clubbers as well so that they had the opportunity to get out there and really enjoy their riding but doing it correctly. All
0: right, that's great. And we'll carry it full to now you're spending a lot of time training coaches Mm -hmm. and I particularly want to talk today about teaching mature aged riders we said about them having particular needs so if you can just tell a little bit about that did you choose to teach mature aged riders or did it choose you
1: I think to a certain extent it chose me because a lot of the people riding they don't always get the opportunity. These days there's a lot more young people, right? I think when I was first coaching, most people couldn't afford to buy a horse or so they didn't have the time until they were older. So I tend, to teach, I tend to teach more mature age riders. But I find now, probably because I'm in the mature age myself, I tend to gravitate towards those sort of people because I find it very interesting to teach people who probably a lot of them had rode when they were younger but never did it formally but now that they're older and they've got more time on their hands and maybe a bit more money to buy quality horses they've decided to ride and that's not always true some of them have continued to ride all that time but I find it's a very interesting area because as they age there's issues that come in that affect how they ride it also has an influence on what they do with their horses as
0: well as how they ride them. Okay, thanks, Liz. I'm going to ask you to talk about one particular or a couple of particular riders. You don't need to to give us their name, but just give us a few examples of how they're different, and especially if you've taught them early and later. One that I
1: really want to talk about, I didn't teach her earlier. She's late 40s. She has a family. She has grown up girls, and she bought a really lovely big warm blood horse from Victoria, where she actually originally comes from. Now this horse is an aged horse too, but because he is warm blood, he has a very big movement and he tends to be a little bit of a horse that has has a tendency to come quite hollow. Now people listening may not know what that means, but it means he lifts his head in the air and he drops his back away from underneath the rider's seat and and then his back feet come up behind him, so he doesn't really carry the rider very well. So this lady has a back issue, and as And Most women, as they get a little bit older, tend to sometimes put a bit extra weight on where they shouldn't. But she also has an issue, which she's got a quite big busted woman. And you find a lot of women are like that. And it creates a lot of issues with their position on the horse and also how they ride. Now, she struggles a lot with maintaining her position and also making sure that the horse is able to carry her effectively. So she struggled a lot just riding him, particularly when she started to have to sit trot on him and try and ride him well forward into the contact, without with maintaining his his back, keeping his back up, so he can stay in the contact and really carry her. So she had a lot of problems just learning to ride the really big trot, and I find that happens a lot, particularly not just women but with men as well. Back issues come in. She has also has issues with the shoulders because she has a, a job where she uses was using her arms a lot and her upper body and it was creating a lot of problems with her shoulders but you find that a lot people have hip issues they have knee issues as they get older from all sorts of different things and that really affects the way they ride the horse whether it's whether they how they sit in the saddle it's whether they how they're able to maintain what I call a neutral body position it's how they're able to carry the reins and ride the horse to me riding is about a really well balanced position on the horse and being able to ride the horse from the seat into the contact therefore if you're having a back issue if you've got hip issues it's really difficult to do that and it even makes it more difficult if the horse you're riding has particularly big movements so there's a lot of up and down that's happening as well as back sideways that riders have to cope with. When you're younger, you're, you're fitter and you're, it's more, you're more able to absorb that. As you get older, the core muscles aren't as good as easy, particularly if you, if women have had several children. It's, it's an issue that they have to cope with as they get older. And also, even for men, a lot of men do a lot of physical work, therefore they end up with lower back issues, hip issues and knee issues because of the bending and lifting and that sort of thing. And there's also the loss of core strength can be a real problem
0: okay so so with these problems that the older riders do have mm-hmm. stop i need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification that is that the latest version of the book 101 careers in the horse industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download so if you work in the horse industry 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. What should the older rider do? I mean, what different instructions are you giving the older rider to what you do, say, a younger or a more athletic rider? How do you make that difference? I'm
1: probably more careful with how much I ask of them because I know that their physical capabilities are less as they get Mm -hmm, older. Therefore we take a lot longer time to establish the ability to ride horses well, particularly with the seat. We also um, maybe slow the horse's paces down a little bit more until the rider is capable of riding them and then we ask for the horse to move more with a bigger pace. Also We do exercises on the ground, but we also try and make sure that they themselves get the help from from outside the horse service, like massage or something like that, where they might have um, a need to improve their physical capabilities Mm -hmm. also we see the problem of them not being able to ride as well as they could some of them because they've lost their flexibility tend to lose their confidence a little bit about what they're doing they're more concerned about if they come off they're more concerned about if the horse plays up where they're going to hurt themselves That will happen if they've got families too, particularly women who've got children that Mm -hmm. they have to look after. They're much more inclined to be concerned if they do have an injury, if it's a major injury who's going to look after the children is definitely a problem with more mature age, particularly if they've got families. Also the loss of confidence can come from loss of flexibility on the horse if they don't bend as well or turn as well, or they don't have the coordination from the upper body to the lower body, or they don't have the coordination from hand to leg or things like that, mm-hmm. that can be an issue too, okay. and also, uh, which is something I don't think about, but things like um, eyesight and, and hearing can be another issue too, mm-hmm. loss of hearing, mm-hmm.
0: right. Um, right?
1: eyesight yeah. not, may not be quite as good. Memory, too, surprisingly enough, particularly okay. if they're competing and they have to remember a dressage test. You know, <laughs> it can be a problem if they sort of have suddenly have a mental blank or. Okay. You know, yeah.
0: And memory. do you but find that there's a, a difference in fitness or? Oh, most definitely and, yeah, okay, yeah okay definitely
1: I mean people it's more aware now that they need to be fit mm-hmm. but there's riding fit and there's there's fit physically fit like some people might walk some people might jog some might swim some might do other sports but riding ha- requires a specific fitness it, mm-hmm. it's actually you can only get riding fit by riding and and if they don't have a lot of time to ride they don't necessarily and they've only got one horse to ride they don't necessarily become really, truly riding fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, while they're young and they've got several horses to ride and some people ride anything up to 10 or 12 horses a day, of course they get very riding fit. But time is an issue for a lot of mature age people. They've got jobs, they've got families, they've got mortgages to pay, they've got bills to pay, they've got things to do. Mm-hmm. They've got children to run around after. They just don't have time. Okay. So, you know, if they rode every day a week, they would probably would be physically fit.
0: All right, and you've talked a little bit about loss of confidence as well. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you need to talk um, about there?
1: The confidence one is quite an issue because just coming back, for example, some women have ridden young, when yeah, they were give younger. Give an example. Oh, yeah, have yeah. ridden when they were younger and they've had a family and they've been working and so now, now they've got to the age where they think, oh, I've got a bit of time for myself. I'd like to ride again so they mm-hmm. them not buy themselves a horse. Whether they get good advice or not from somebody is, is often an issue because sometimes – they buy a horse that they wanted when they were young, but now they're a lot older. It's not necessarily suitable for them as they mm-hmm. get older. And the problem there is, as I said, is a horse with a big movement. If they're not as flexible as they were when they were young, a horse with a lot of exaggerated movement can be a big problem because they okay. just can't sit on them. They sure. just can't ride them well. They might be able to ride a trot on but even That can be an issue, but they are going to be able to ride the canter. And the trot can be a problem. The mm-hmm. canter can be a problem too. But it's also the size of the horse too, I think, Um Everybody likes a lovely big horse, but then that could be a problem too because they've got to be able to get on and off. Yep,
0: yep. They've
1: got, and, a, and often and, big and a, a big horse has a big, long stride. Yep. It is a long way to fall, mm-hmm, you know, and, mm-hmm. and if the horse – happens to play up for any reason and often if you're not confident the horses pick up on that and then they do that they'll, lo- they'll lose their confidence too because sure because they need you to be the leader not not the follower so they, they can start to shy at things which creates problems mm-hmm. you know a horse jumps sideways and the rider's hanging off the side they don't have the strength or the flexibility to get themselves back on so yep. they'll end up falling yep. off and yep. things like that off there if they're jumping and the horse stops suddenly because they're not confident about Jumping a fence and they're a bit cautious as so they come out the fence, the horse stops, and they're going to fly over the horse's mm, head and then mm. they land on rails and then they've got a sore back or they're bruised or, you know, and they can't always get back
0: on again when they need to and it's a problem there too. So I actually read the results of a survey a while ago and sometimes riders didn't stop riding because they had a fall but because they had a near fall. So the- just because someone doesn't necessarily have to fall off. They just have to nearly fall off and then think about it. And Mm. that's a
1: fear of fear itself. Yes, And that that, that creates more problems and it's harder to get through than actually when they come off and get back on again. Yeah, I think that's a big problem. All
0: right. Now I want you to think about a time when you first started coaching older riders, more mature riders, when you didn't have the knowledge and the expertise that you have now or you weren't quite as close, some time when you made, as a coach, made an error in judgment, because at the moment you're coming along as a very experienced coach. Mm -hmm. But I want just people to know that, you know, it it hasn't always been. There may be, sometimes you learn, um, and you don't want to learn by your mistakes and, and have the rider have a problem. But, you know, when you just thought, wow, I wish I knew now what Than Um, what I know now, yeah, yeah.
1: definitely. I think they're, yeah, I do, and and every time I teach somebody, even if I didn't teach them regularly, I'm learning all the time because you're observing the horse, you're observing the rider, you're looking at the, you're thinking of exercises you can use to help them, but probably quite a few years ago, there was probably mature age people that it's not so much perhaps that I would something I did wrong. It's just that I probably didn't give them enough information at the time because I didn't have that knowledge. So I could have helped them a lot more than I did mm-hmm. at the time. They were probably quite happy with what I was telling them. But what I know now, I could have given them so much more help than I did and they probably would have been a lot more successful. So it's okay. one of those interesting areas. I don't stop learning, I still do lots of reading, I watch things, I I still love to watch people ride and also, I'm also a judge, so dressage judge, so I get to see quite a lot of riding and my biggest issue I think with, particularly as a judge, is a lot of issues with the seat and the hand, the riders not having a good, well-balanced seat so that their hands are independent, I find that's an issue and okay. it's not necessarily an issue with the older
0: people, it can be an issue with younger ones as well, yeah. All right. So now I want you to tell me a specific time when a person or horse taught you to just change your ways or training methods or something. Think about a time where you used to train or ride or teach or do something a particular way. And then a person or a horse or someone has come along and you've thought, oh, I'm going to change my way or you know, just charming, because people grow and evolve. It may be a book oh, yeah. that you've read, yeah, it, it is, may be anything. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, just in the last few years, I've come across a quite an interesting French coach who has a, quite a different way of teaching horses. His, his name is Philippe Carl, and he he's actually has a very, very interesting concept about riding horses. He doesn't use the rein like the most, the Germans or the, the, the old classical, if I call them classical type of trainers. He's actually from the French riding school, that the Cadre Noir, and he was very high level there, he was actually the head rider there, and he's trained some, some really, really outstanding horses in his day, but he has, yeah, I really like his concept, and he, he teaches horses, riders and horses, all the way up to FEI level, and he has ridden at that level himself, but he has very, very interesting, and I, I, after watching quite a few videos of him and his training i've actually been to a workshop for one of the people he has trained here in australia i really like the concept that they have because it's very very sympathetic to the horse it's allowing the horse to find the contact rather than putting it forcing it into a contact it's it's about the rider right of riding the horse and really learning to feel what the horse is doing rather than pick up the reins and really drive them forward i don't like that way of riding so and also, over the years, I had a very, very good German coach I, I read, rode with for many, many years and I trained with for many years when I was really competing and he had a huge influence on my okay. what I've done. Who, who was the German and coach? That, that was Edgar Lithuak. I'm afraid yeah. Edgar and his wife both passed away now. They're, not, they're no longer um, alive, but
0: mm.
1: he was a very, very interesting man. He had amazing, amazing knowledge about riding and, and, and training horses and I spent many many hours sitting with him watching him coach and discussing riding and coaching with him and he's probably had more influence on my career than anybody else because of his knowledge amazing yep. he, he wasn't just a dressage person he was a driving coach he was also a show jumping and eventing coach he had an expertise in all levels mm. so it wasn't just that you know i think he was
0: one of the youngest coaches ever to become qualified in he Germany was, as, yes, as yeah, that yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. and his
1: wife was very well qualified too mm. um, they both passed away now which is a bit sad because he, he was it was a big loss when he passed away there was many many riders he taught were quite mm. upset he was, I, I have he to say he was Sunday.
0: quite influential yeah, for me yeah, as well
1: yeah, mm.
0: yeah. okay I'm going to ask you about thinking about the mature age riders mm-hmm. I want you to think about a time with a rider your proudest moment where you thought wow I'm really glad that I'm teaching this rider I think I've really nailed it with a mature age rider just tell me about something actually
1: it's really lovely that you've asked about that because the woman I was talking about before who bought the the aged warm blood horse that I do teach her quite regularly Mm -hmm. when I first started teaching her she'd been taught by another lower level coach she lives in the country so she's up quite a long way away from any many coaches she'd been Taught by this person quite regularly for two years, I never got off a twenty metre circle. Okay. Yeah, and when I started teaching her, we started doing all sorts of exercises, and now in the last two years, she's just competed. In fact, this weekend just passed for the second year in a row at Gladstone for their championships. That then she's been the first year she went, she was reserve preliminary champion. Last year she was champion novice champion this year she was champion elementary oh champion.
0: that's brilliant so that's she, really she good she was actually mm-hmm. a mate she's mm-hmm.
1: actually finally able to sit trot to him and and really and he's in his 20s this horse he's not yep. a young horse yep. so he's yep. amazing so mature and aged horse as a well <laughs> aged lady. and she's been really 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 pleased. great. and it was lovely for her to be able to have the opportunity she, that was the one thing she wanted to do was to ride to elementary level because okay. I think because he's not terribly sound she's, she's concerned now she may have to retire him but she's got a daughter who loves to just poke around on him so she Great. A bit of riding. but that was one of my I mean I've had, had many others that have been quite successful too but her particularly was one that I really like yeah. now
0: what, what does the future hold for you now thinking about um, the riders that you've got you well know, I
1: really way. love the coaching side of it uh-huh. um, and helping people particularly yeah. like I say like the mature age riders I still will continue my judging as long as I feel that I'm doing it well enough. I haven't ridden myself for a few years now, although I do still have horses, but um, it's more about... Helping other people with their writing, and really, yeah, and also learning. I'm always learning. I'm always reading, and there's always new books on the market, and there's always new ideas, and there's often things you can watch and you can learn from. um,
0: Have you got a book then that you'd recommend to the listeners?
1: There is one. I think it's very good for at any level, and it's the the book by Sally Swift, Mm -hmm. and it's called Centered Writing. And I think she was her understanding about writing, and she looks at it in a slightly different way. I think is a really, really, really good one for anybody to read and go from there because she's very much into Different learning styles, which yes. is very important when you're teaching and I think it's, she's she's a very she's, she's into visualisations and stuff like that, which I think is really important because riding very much is a feeling sport. It's something that you need to ride to feel mm-hmm. and you'll learn mm-hmm. from the feeling. You know, People can help you try and understand what you're doing when you feel something but they can't help you with the feeling. You've got to learn that yourself and that's yeah. one issue that yeah. I think you really need to learn yourself.
0: All right. Now, if you've got to give a message to mature age riders, just something before we finalise the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, just a message, just if there's a mature age rider there that's listening to this, someone who's maybe not mature age Mm -hmm. yet Yet, yet. but plans to keep Mm riding, what's a mature age something, a tip or a lesson or something that you'd give to them? just
1: keep riding and keep enjoying your riding is probably the most important thing because I think it's really important that you still – because riding – even if you only ride one horse a couple of times a week, it still gives you a certain amount of fitness that you're probably not going to get if you're, you know, if you're yep. not doing anything. But horses are really, really. Everybody gets into horses; they love it, you know, and it's something that's in your blood, I think. But stay with it, um, and just just learn to cope with it as you age, as your body changes, and try not to. Overface yourself by by buying horses that you're just not able to ride. You know, be be Mm -hmm. sensible about a horse you might be buying. And often it's not a good idea to buy a young horse unless you're really confident enough that you think you can hunt. Maybe a horse that's got a little bit more age on it, that's a little bit more set in its ways. Certainly we, we don't want unsound horses. That's just it's, it's obvious you're not going to do that. But but young horses can be an issue for, for older people because of the problems, you know, the, the physical problems that it creates and also the confidence. Confidence, I think, as you get older really starts to be an issue, mm-hmm. not so much when you're young but certainly as you get older. I think having the confidence to ride the horses and to ride well and also being more Aware of the shortcomings you might have physically, but also within your own ability. And I think as we get older, we sort of be, become more aware of what we're good at, what we're not good at. Sure. Um, and sure. we sort of we're able to hopefully be honest with ourselves and say, okay, I know I can't do this, so I'm not going to attempt it. Or if I do attempt it, I know I'm not going to be as good as somebody else. So yep. we've got to be aware. Yep
0: that where our limitations are, but also enjoy what we do. So probably be good, better than you were yesterday, not necessarily comparing yourself no. to your younger self. Oh, definitely
1: not. No. Yep. I think if yep. we try to compare ourselves to the younger self, we, we won't be very happy, we mm-hmm. won't enjoy our riding. But, but if we think, okay, um, I really love riding this horse because he makes me feel good, I really enjoy it, I love to get out and ride, we achieved... Uh, good walk transition today or, or we you know or I did a lovely flying change or something be happy with that you know okay don't, yep. don't expect to suddenly be able to do sequence changes sure can't sure. <laughs> all
0: right now just um before we say goodbye is there any way in well you've you've done the the final lesson mm-hmm. what about if they need to contact you to to ask for more information do you have a detail or they can contact you through the horse chats page I think through the Horse Chats page would okay. be perfect, yes. We'll do that, and mm-hmm. we will have a Q&A, so we might ask you back for a Q&A about older riders, if that's okay. Yeah, that'd be
1: great. I'd love to do
0: that. Wonderful. All right, thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com.